Hey there, it's Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John. I'm Richard. Welcome, everybody. Hey, if you like this video, hit like. If you want to subscribe, that would be awesome and help us reach more people. Share this video with someone that you love. Or if you hate us uh, and you want to punish someone you hate, share it with them, right? <laughs> the postman. Share it with the postman. Start with some postman, yes, in lieu of a tip this Christmas. Uh, hey, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bronze and Modern Gods as well. This is a special pre-recorded episode because right now, as this is premiering, I am in London, jolly old England, Richard, the UK, hun. I am excited for you. That sounds like a great time. Yeah, uh, I will be going to a few shops while I'm there, especially places like Forbidden Planet. I'll have a little report next time we get together. But that's why you're seeing this thumbnail early. And that's why our hot book of the week this week is something that is older. Richard, go ahead. You picked it. Yeah, I picked it this week. Uh, Spawn number one. What? Yeah, I, you know, I, I look at a different, lot of different lists when I when I look at hot books and this book is number one in Go Collect's trending list. Why? It has been a popular, popular book for a while now. This is not a new new thing. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, Spawn number one first is is the first comic book uh, Spawn. There, there <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, we call that a first appearance, Richard. Uh, well, it's yes, first appearance, but it's he had his first appearance in Malibu. Oh, Malibu Sun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't want to call it first appearance, gotcha. but this is uh, Image Comics. This is this is first uh, first uh, issue for Image Comics. Um, it printed. This is back when Image was the rave. It was the bomb. It was the 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 culmination of years and years of work from all these independent artists. Uh, Spawn number one sold over a million copies for that first issue. And it is not a rare book. Uh, I remember for a long, long, long time where you could get copies of this thing for five bucks easily, night and day. It was oh, not- A dollar. Yeah, it was, I know people, I, I've seen stacks of them uh, that people people uh, were were selling. It's, it's amazing how unrare this book is. But even with all that said, 9.8s are still uh, around two hundred dollars. It's two hundred dollars for let's say a dollar book is is an, an amazing uh, uh, opportunity for people who buy this book cheap and then resell it with a, you know at a higher value. Um, not, but it's not only this book. Another high volume book, X Men number one, that sold eight million copies. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> this is Jim Lee's X Men number one. Uh, it also is a trending book, and it also is selling for around $200 for an X for uh, a 9.8. And that, I, I just find it fascinating. And I, I just kind of wanted to, to hear John's take on it, why he thinks that the, these books are holding value like this. Spawn number one, you know, always sold, period. It always sold. You put, if you put the right price on it, you would sell it for some reason. I think it's a cool cover. I think people like Todd, uh, I think... They just respond when they see the cover. X-Men number one, not so much. Some of those, you know, of the five different covers, there are some of them that just sit in, you know, dollar bins forever. That gatefold cover always sold. The Magneto cover always yeah. sold. But, you know, sometimes you can't move that rogue beast cover or whatever. Um, I think what's happening is, you know, uh, the 30-year rule, maybe. <laughs> uh, people that... When they were kids, they liked Spawn and X-Men number one. They were excited. They sold their collection since and they're 
you know, got a little money now and they're they're getting back into it. Uh, new generations of people. Kate Bush has the number one five song in the country right now, Richard. What? <laughs> Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush from I, 1985 yes. is number five this week. And it's not people our age that were there the first time that put it there. So there is something to be said about the stuff from the 80s and the 90s being better than what is being uh, put out there today. I know it's such an old man thing to say, but it's no, true. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of dilution in, in um, media today that didn't happen back in the 80s. Um, people are more sensitive. People are more, um, aren't open to some of the things that they were open to in the 80s in terms of being adventurous in storylines. And so I, I think 80s has, you know, has that to its advantage, as so do early 90s, in my opinion. So maybe, yeah, maybe there is something about uh, that for these books. Uh, but I'm with you. Spawn, Spawn number one, I think, is always going to have an intrinsic value because it's, you know, it's the Todd father. He's, he has really set himself up as a force in comics. And if they ever make a movie, if they ever make another Spawn movie, this book is going to explode. And, and that's, that's what's happening. He's he's hinting about it. He's been tweeting hints about the movie finally happening. So uh, he's been he's been talking about this movie for f for five years at least. No. So. All right. I have another thing, and this admittedly is a stretch. So let me preface it by saying this is a stretch. I realize that, mm -hmm. but the massive amount of this book and X Men number one that have been bopping around for thirty years now in bargain bins and quarter boxes that million print run how many of those are still 9.8 candidates at this point because they've been passed around and shifted from box to box and inventory to inventory and i've sold my collection uh you know so that may it's a stretch i know but it may have a little something to do with it well but I, there are according to the cgc census 11,849.8s for spawn number one. <laughs> uh, out of 23,000 books graded total. So, why aren't there? Why isn't spawn number two more expensive? That's a very good question. I, I think, know? yes, a lot of those early spawns are just dollar books, you know. They are. Nine. Remember that collection I bought online? Um, uh, two years ago, like at the beginning of the pandemic, I bought, uh, I won an auction for a collection that was about four long boxes. And in those four long boxes were 47 copies of Spawn number eight. There were 32 <laughs> copies of Spawn number seven. Do you think there were any nines first, Angela? Of no. Not. Of course not. Um, why couldn't there have been 40 copies of that in there? But this, these, the print runs on Spawn were astronomical. Uh, same thing with, you know, Bloodstrike, Youngblood, um, Wildcats, Tribe, everyone's favorite, Tribe. <laughs> I, I, helped, I helped that print run when I had my shop. Well, there's news so, about Youngblood and Wildcats. Uh, you know, not Wildcats. Yeah. Um, Wildstorm at this point. So we don't I don't know. I think Spawn... You know, uh, another another reason uh, could be Spawn is still being published today. It's on issue 300 and some. And so that is a, an impressive achievement. However, 
Savage Dragon still being published today and it's not going for $200 for issue one. So there goes that argument. You know, I, I'm a big Eric Larson fan, so I'm going to boost Eric. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Um, you guys tell us in the comments, why the hell are you paying 200 bucks for a spawn number one? <laughs> there are 11,000 9.8s out yeah. there. And, and, and the, there's a newsstand of this. If you, if you see a newsstand, grab it because the newsstand goes for four to $500 for a nine, eight. And it's, it's definitely worth more than the direct. That one legit, I think has some value to it. it the newsstand version, besides having UPC did not come with the poster in the middle. Uh, it is not on the super glossy cover stock that the uh, direct version is. So that one, you know, was, was frowned upon. At the, at the time, you didn't want that version. You wanted the direct version with all the bells and whistles. So as a result, the newsstand one is harder to find, especially in grade. We will have more nostalgia in the 25-year-old later, underrated books of the week. But right now, it is time for Real or Mail. You've got mail. Richard, start us off, please. All right. Uh, my first piece of your mail is from Night Tiger Comics. Uh, uh, why are channels always citing highest grade sales instead of average grade sales first? because these sales are more relatable to your average buyer. Um, I think what your question was is along the lines of why are we always uh, quoting 9.8s as opposed to maybe a more reasonable grade in some books like, let's say, a 6.0 or a 7, uh, which, are, which are more average grades for books. Um, well, the reason why I do it uh, personally is most... Most people track nine eights, including myself, because of the trickle down factor. So if you if you price a book at a nine eight, or if you find a nine eight value, you can get uh, an idea of what the grades, uh, what the values of the lower grades are going to fall in line to. Um, it's not always true. Some some books are really really hard to get in nine eights, and because of that, there is a skew towards those higher grades. But for the most part, if I know what a nine eight is and somebody offers me a 7.0, I can kind of do the math to figure out what uh, the value of that 7.0 is. And like I said, most, most people, when they are looking at books, are using that 9.8 as a yardstick. Yeah, and if you notice one thing that um, I think both Richard and I try to do when we give examples for modern books, we do use 9.8 because that's the biggest mover. It's the biggest seller. It's the largest percentage of books that are slabbed or 9.8s for modern books. When we get into silver uh, and some bronze, you always hear me say the most recent sale for X grade, you know, 6.0 is this because there, you know, I'm not going to give you a 9.8 report on a fantastic four number one it's just it's so skewed it's ridiculous so we do try for older books we do say we do cite the most recent sale as opposed to saying 9.8 but night tiger you say average grade sales what's an average grade to you uh, average grade to you is different than my average grade my average grade in my books is a 9.2 probably and i won't accept any less you may and that's not a flex i'm just telling you um you may consider 7.0 an average grade. Uh, mileage varies. Uh, if you look at the volume sold, then 9.8, and higher is going to be the average grade for slabs. Not a lot of people are racing to, to slab uh, modern books that are going to grade out at 
No, so, you're, you're, yeah. you're right. I, and I, you have a good point about Silver Age books. Um, trying to quote a 9.8 price to give you a feel for the rest of the grades is difficult because some books, you know, 9.8 is $45,000. <laughs> or doesn't or doesn't exist. Or doesn't some exist. Books, you know, a 9.4 is because you're going to get. Interesting question, Night Tiger. Hope Hopefully that uh, answers some of our philosophies there. Mm -hmm. um, my first piece of email mail is from Wildcat1970, uh, talking about the awesome 1970s Power Records book and records. Um, Wildcat writes, the power record of Captain America taught me that the proper pronunciation is the death ray. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how Helmet Zemo speaks in the Power Records version. Uh, it, it's just this most overwrought uh, Germanic accent. Uh, Captain America. Oh, that's French. Um, <laughs> no, I was thinking power about, records are great. Those golden record reprints oh, are awesome. Oh, the power records one though. I was I was thinking about that this week because um, I am a nerd. Uh, I remember I had most of them, and I the one that freaked me out the most. I was probably seven or eight years old at this point. Was the Man Thing uh, power records and record uh it reprinted man thing number five and i remember it to this day man thing number five is a story about a circus clown who gets cheated on by his girlfriend in the circus and gets humiliated by the strong man you know classic freaks type uh plot line goes to the swamp pulls out a revolver and shoots himself in the head while the man thing watches uh and then rises from the dead as a ghost at the end of the issue and in the comics, it was continued in issue six. The power record just ends right there. So, <laughs> hey, kids, it's comics. Wow. Good night, kids. <laughs> and, you know, it's drawn by Mike Plug, so it's super spooky looking. And, you know, you have all the classic elements for children's literature. A suicidal <laughs> clown. Uh, infidelity. Uh, boy, kids these days are treated with kid gloves. Again, you know, back then you had storylines that people wouldn't touch with a with a ten foot pole nowadays. We learned about life hard and early. <laughs> What's your next piece of your mail? Oh my goodness! My next piece is from uh, Peanuts four oh nine. Beady Peanuts. Mm -hmm. uh, regarding the number ones, we're talking about issue number ones in, in Marvel and DC's love of resetting their um, their series. When I was new to Young Avengers, I screwed myself by buying a Young Avengers number one blank cover, thinking it was a steal. But after reviewing mm. it, I realized I got duped hardcore. Yeah, I, I have done this. And this, this is a, a symptom of the problem where um, you, everyone knows what the cover A is for a particular like young, young, um, young Avengers number one. We know what the cover A is. Uh, but they make so many different variant covers that if you're not aware of the specific variant cover that goes with the same year that the, the rare book that you're looking for, there's a number of Young Avengers series. You could end up buying a book by accident, and I have done this, thinking that you were buying a variant cover for Series A, when in reality you're buying a variant cover for Series B. And, um, yeah, that's 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 to me is also one of the one of the risks you take with uh, them resetting the, the series as often as they do. Blank covers. Do you think 30 years from now they're going to carry a premium if they're still blank and clean? That's a good question. Um, I mean, um, 
That's a very good question. I have seen some blank covers that have been turned into pieces of art. And mm -hmm. uh, they, to have that opportunity to have an artist to do uh, a full cover sketch would be amazing. If you can keep a white cover, blank cover, because they're not all white. Uh, I'm thinking of um, some Harley Quinn covers that are pink, for example. Yeah. Um, if you keep a blank cover white, the whole thing white and clean for 30 years, I think you're going to get a premium for just for the effort of doing that. We used to think Whitman's were worthless, yeah. you know, and I see these blank covers of many comic shops, many local comic shops. There's a big box where it's like blank covers, five bucks each, you know, because they can't move them. And so I just wonder what's going to happen 30 years from now yeah. with all these blank covers popping but around. Again, make sure you got the right blank cover for the right series. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, my next piece of your mail is from Mystery Mac 38. I'm glad the uh, mystery Mac left this comment because I am not willing to let this die, even though it seems to have died down a bit. The CGC label gate about uh, removing notes from the label mystery Mac writes, I sent two submissions in March, one to CGC for seven books and one to CBCS three books to test the waters. CBCS had my books returned to me four weeks before CGC. I like CBCS service the best. They charge less. They have a QR code. You can scan and get the Raiders notes. And the cases are stronger. I don't care about the label. Yes, it's a plain label, but I tend to look at the books more than the label. Well, smell you, Mystery Mac. <laughs> no, I see what you're saying. Um, I agree. Uh, I just, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm not doing anything right now. I'm, uh, I am slabless when it comes to... Um, submitting stuff uh with a caveat that i will discuss in the next piece of your email after richards but um i will say turnaround times for cgc have improved i'm going to give them that because i've gotten some modern submissions back in three weeks mm -hmm. and uh conversely i have two express uh submissions that i'm still waiting for the moderns that I sent in the same box got turned around and shipped to me in three weeks. They're sitting here right now in a box. I'm still waiting for the express books. So there's that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, the, the, the turnaround time has definitely improved. At least the last shipment I sent, I'm not really sending them any more in with the exceptions of, I need some re slabs. <clears throat> Excuse me. I need some reholders for mm -hmm. some books where I've got crack cases. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to send those in because um, I, I just need to. Um, but no, the label to me is 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 really for when you're in a situation where you need to know about the book, like you're buying a book from someone and, and in an environment where you don't necessarily have access to the graders notes. And the, the labels there give you additional information to help you make a, an informed transaction. So I will miss that, especially since we we have books that uh, for all the way up to 2022 that have graders notes with information on them, and then all of a sudden those same books will come back with less notes. There's no indication that these books are after this period and have the lesser notes. So, you know, you've got this, this weird mix now of books that have more detailed notes and books that have less detailed notes, and there's no way of differentiating them. So, when you see a book with less information on it, does it mean it has less issues, or does it mean it was after this change? And I think it's just going to be a uh, this is going to be a mess for for CGC. Just goes back to the original argument and the original question I had: Who is this for? 
who who is this new policy for? Uh, no one seems to be able to answer that question, except to benefit certain retailers, high-end retailers or auction houses, or to take some of the workload off of the graders. And that is not something you're doing for the prominent members of the comic community. That's something you're doing for yourselves, CGC. So, right. all right, before we go down this road too far, go ahead and move on to your next piece of your mail, please. Uh, my next piece is from CJ. And this again, we're talking about uh, number ones. Uh, I think the reboots perhaps, perhaps devalue character, uh, possibly, particularly those who aren't Spider-Man, FF, uh, X-Men sort of uh, title. How many, <laughs> how many Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvels do, do we have? Does anyone care? And that's a good point. There are a number of, of Captain Marvel series. There's a number of Ms. Marvel series. And uh, it's difficult to tell, uh, unless you know what you're doing, what particular number one goes with one particular series. Again, because you marry this with Marvel's um, habit of variant covers and store variant covers and retail incentive covers and, you know, uh, this, this the plethora of, of covers that they put out with some issues, you know, 75, 80 covers with uh, certain uh, notable issues. It can be very difficult to know, is this number, is this Venom number three, the right Venom number three? Or is it Venom number three from a different series? That kind of problem. Yeah. Um, gosh, what volume is Captain Marvel on now? I don't know. It's got to be at least volume seven or eight, at it least. Does. It does. Between oh, all the different Captain Marvels they've had, uh, male and female, it's got to be at least that high. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Uh, back to CGC. Mark Oldroyd writes, CGC clearly have no regard for their customers. Their huge backlog is making them blasé to customer service. I have seen so many YouTube videos complaining about CGC, and they keep using them. So CGC will never change. John, respect. You are the first major YouTuber to say enough is enough. Well, Mark, thank you. I don't know if I'm a major YouTuber. I will uh, challenge you on that statement. I am a uh, uh, lower to uh, middle class YouTuber. Let's put it that way. But I want to be clear. When I say I'm not sending any books, I'm lying. Okay. <laughs> now, what do I mean by that? I'm done sending big, large amounts of books, moderns, stuff that I'm going to sell and flip. I am still going to send some of my PC stuff to get slapped. Uh, I, you know, that's stuff that... I'm never going to sell. It's for me. I want to protect it. Maybe I should do CBCS. I don't know. Come at me, guys, in the comments. Tell me. Um, my Avengers 4 is in a CBCS case, and it's not horrible. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to I state that before, you know, I get a book back from CGC for my PC, and I show it off, and everybody goes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I have certain PC books that if I acquire, I will be sending them into grade and to to be perfectly honest, I am vain, and I like the, the custom labels that CGC offers. Um, you know, they have the they have the license with Marvel to offer um, Miles Morales labels, Doctor Doom labels, Fantastic Four labels. You know, that's that's my wheelhouse. So I like my books to have those custom labels. So I I, I will tend to use them. Now that's that's those are for my PC books. I you know I like John. I don't. I have enough books that I don't need to uh, slab more uh, flip books or sale books. I've got yeah. you know. Uh, 
excuse me, and if I get a book and that I, I, I'm looking to sell, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Do, do you send it into CGC and get 20% more than what you would get if you sent it to CBCS? No. And, and I'll give you a real world example. I went to Mexico City. I found a comic shop that had a ton of keys, super cheap. Uh, great example, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number one. I got it. I pressed it. It was a 9.8. I sent it in. I got it slabbed. It's a 9.8. Future John will not send it in and get it slabbed. I'll just press it. I will grade it a 9.698, put it up raw, and price it accordingly. I will uh, not price it at a CGC 9.8 cost, but you're saving the time and the effort and the heartache and the headache and the postage and everything else. And then having it come back with finger bends, quote unquote, <laughs> that were not there when I pressed the book and sent it in myself. But uh, what happens if you get, uh, let's say an ASM 300 on newsstand and uh, you think it's a nine, eight possible, you know, it's, it's, it's got the look of a nine, eight, you don't see any obvious flaws. It's got crisp edges, corners, the, the whole nine yards. Uh, at a nine eight, that is a six seven thousand dollar eight thousand dollar book. At ungraded, it is considerably less. Would you take the chance to get that book graded to to get that bigger return, or would you sell it raw? How much did I pay for it? You paid four hundred and fifty dollars for it. I'd sell it raw. the The return is there. You know, I mean, I'm not Elon Musk. I don't need all the money in the world. Let's say I sell for a thousand or I mean, where, where would you? No, no, I wouldn't sell it for a thousand. I, I would I would look at the the GPA and I would reduce the uh, cost from the amount it would take to slab it, the amount it would take for postage and uh and then maybe knock another 10% off and start from there and see what the reaction was. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if it's sat, there's my answer. Um, you know, times change, things change. Um, my, my edict may change, but right now I'm not sending anything in. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. just not. I, and not only that, you also have to look at the market right now. The market, whether you guys want to admit or not, the market's falling. We're getting ready to head into a recession here if we're not there already. Uh, today, when we recorded this, the interest prime interest rate went up uh, 0.75%. Um, do you want to tie up your inventory for an extra month and a half? No. When you can sell it now no. and you have that money in your pocket? That's the question. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, now's the time to be buying. <laughs> yeah, we're in a dip. Yeah, dip, dip buy the dip. 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 Speaking of saving money, you have an interesting one next. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. This is from Rich B. What a great name. Hey, Richie Rich. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, Fed Expo is coming to Dallas. I've never been to a convention and thought it would be cool to wait, go. Wait, 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 wait. I've never been to a convention. Let's stop right there. Okay, <laughs> go on. I wanted to highlight that. Yeah. Uh, looking at the cost of entry, uh, I don't understand the value. I can't figure out if there are deals other than the swag you get with a ticket. Uh, would you be able to give a brief summary of the benefits of attending a convention and paying $60 to get in or $150 for a weekend pass? Yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is a great question. Uh, for Start a podcast and you never have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if start, you know, 
I would start with a small, I, you know, a smaller convention. You know, most of the smaller conventions have either a free or they have five or ten dollar entry fee, and, and part of that money goes to pay for the facilities and for the people who run the, the convention and the security and all the other crap that you have to do when you actually run an event. So, you know, you're paying part of that money that you're paying is going to pay to support the actual convention. Right. Um, so start off with one of those smaller conventions. I th- you'll have a great time. You won't feel guilty about shelling out the money. Um, it's a good way to get that, that first, first feet in the door to see if you like convention. Now, if you're talking about uh, a fan expo show, because they have a fan expo here in Cleveland, it, it is, yeah, it was 65 bucks to get in. It was, it was you know, I kind of did a double take because it wasn't that expensive last year because I went to the fan expo here in Cleveland. Uh, it was packed. It was packed. It was packed. It was very busy, very crowded. There are a lot of vendors selling random things from uh, lightsabers to anime figures to, and there are a number of comic book dealers there selling comic books. Um, but they also had a lot of artists. You know, it's an opportunity when you when you have that that higher entry fee. It's an opportunity for the conventions to attract a lot of people to a, to uh, attend the. Uh, convention who are not necessarily um, vendors. So you got people like um, Dan Parrott was there, for example, who is, uh, he draws uh, some of my favorite art for, for Archie Comics. Uh, you also had uh, people like William Shatner was there. So there's a lot of, you get those kinds of perks. Now, I always notice that when you go to the conventions, the cost of the, sh- of the sh- books on the wall that when you're buying from a dealer seem to kind of go up with the price of the convention. And it has to do mainly because, you know, these vendors are paying for the space when they, when they are there and they're trying to recoup their investment in terms of uh, making money um, overall you know, once they subtract that initial cost that they have to put out. But, you know, it's, it's still a great opportunity, I think, to, to have a wide selection of things. If you're a fan of... More than comics, it's definitely worth it. I, I go every year. I I only go to the vendor area and and to the you know the places where the artists sit and the artists uh, row because I find that fun. They have different panels that go on. Also, if you're interested in, in learning more and having a, a a panel where a particular artist or a story story writer um, will talk about their experiences. That's also uh, really good, and it's a part of that that sixty-five dollars. So you know you got to look at it. Look at it to see why you're going. If you're just going to, for comic books, you probably have better opportunities with the smaller vendors or uh, conventions. But if you're going for an experience, which is what the Fan Expo is, then you know you're you have more opportunities to find things that you're interested in. And I will tell you, I never buy a weekend pass. No. I don't. I end up buying just either the first day or Sunday. Uh, first day, you get in there, you see everything, you get the deals before anybody else, and then you're done. I, I've never, even Comic-Con, I've never been to a Comic-Con where I can spend all three days on the floor and be excited. Yeah. Uh, even when I was younger. Um, Sunday's a good day because uh, dealers are uh, starting to get a little more desperate to make some coin, and so they start slashing prices on everything. One thing I do a lot of, and you guys have seen live sales, you've seen the results of this, is I will make sure I get in and I buy a VIP or anything that has a convention exclusive. Mm. Because then I take that convention convention exclusive and I justify 
uh, the spend by selling that. I make my money back and then some for the cost of that. Like La Mole, that Spawn 185 La Mole foil paid for our flights, the hotel room, and admission for two people. <laughs> we, got, we got a trip for Mexico for one book. Yeah, I forgot paid. about that, yeah. So I don't think Fan Expo has exclusives, but uh, things like, you know, uh, Megacon, there's that foil exclusive that just came out for, for uh, Spawn and Megacon that's selling for a lot now. So you can you can parlay these exclusives to kind of offset the uh, financial ding. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just I don't don't buy a weekend pass. You'll be bored. Yeah, seriously. Um, I, I, I show up when they open. And I wander nerd. around and do my stuff, like John says. Nerd. Uh, yes, I am a nerd. I am. I am a self-professed professional nerd. I earn a living being a nerd. Excuse me, sir. You were cutting the line. The line starts here. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I'm done in the afternoon. You know, four hours probably is about what I spend, and I'm done. And I don't need to come back and see the same people again. I've either gotten my deals, or like John says, going on Sunday, three hours before they're closing. The dealers are looking, it's the choices, sell it to you or pack it up and take it home. And a lot of times they'll be more flexible with their pricing because they don't want to have to pack it up. Exactly. Uh, my final piece of your email is from Paul D 77. Great show as always guys. Thank you. Uh, thanks Richard for sharing a foreign book this week. I'd love to see some more content about the explosion of the foreign market in the last few years, especially now with CGC starting to grade them. I'm UK based. I'll see you in a week. And I have been collecting UK comics with US key covers as it's a cheaper way of obtaining comic book iconic books that are slightly different than their US counterparts. Indeed. I'm not even mentioning CBCS labels, by the way. Thanks again. Uh, Paul, before I hand this over to Richard, I agree. I've, I've been on a foreign variant kick for a while now. Here is an issue of uh, Los Hombres Eques, uh, Numero Dice. No, do you say? Dose. Uh, Two? First, first, no, uh, 12. Oh. First Juggernaut uh, from 1964. And I got this for five bucks. Oh, that's, that's nuts. I, it's insane. That's right? nuts. I'm that not going to tell you where. It wasn't in this, <laughs> it wasn't in this country. Uh, but uh i i've been uh, i've got filipino variants uh i don't get into as much as richard has uh you've got quite a few interesting ones yeah there's 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 tons there are tons of foreign books that are appreciated here in the states um especially the there's the whole run of uh, spider-man where gwen stacy didn't die she actually um was with peter parker and and it's it's an interesting, interesting storyline, but you know those books are worth a lot of money. There are some really valuable Italian um, uh, Venom uh, copies that are just hard to come by. Huge, you know. There's gorgeous black covers. Uh, they've even been homaged. And recently, they've they someone homaged them. I can't remember what uh, what book it was, or it was like a store variant, I think. But no, there are a lot of there are a lot of foreign books that I think are finally getting getting appreciated uh, appreciation. Uh, the Pence books are getting appreciation. Fantastic Four number one, for example, I would love to get that book as a as a Pence. I'd love to get it in any any form. To be honest with you, I'll get you one next week. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so no, yeah, I I I I think foreign books are um, 
I think a lot of people in the States just don't know about them. And I think that's, uh, I think it's an education thing. And, and the more that people buy them and then post them on Instagram or post them on, uh, uh, on eBay for sale, I think the more they're known about, I think the value of them will continue to go up. I agree. Richard, define transition. Transition, a uh, changing from one state to another. Yeah, that's a good definition leading into a segue to the 25 year rule. All right. Uh, you know, you, you get what you get. People. You it's yeah. Hey, it's a free show. Okay. Yeah. It's a free what show. did you pay? What did you pay to get in here? Uh, 25 year rule this week, uh, heading back to 1997, uh, featuring a character near and dear to my absurdist Dada S cart. That is the flaming carrot with flaming carrot comics, annual number one. This was a special annual celebrating the 15th anniversary of Bob Burden's flaming carrot now who is the flaming carrot you ask why the flaming carrot was a comic book fan who mistakenly read too many comic books in one sitting and his brain turned too mush then he wore a giant carrot flippers and became a superhero known as the flaming carrot that makes as much sense as it sounds like it does the comic is the same way if you like surrealism humor david lynch humor dada-esque humor this is your book this was the first new issue of The Flaming Carrot since the ongoing title ended with issue 31 back in 1994. So there was a little three-year hiatus there. Uh, let me tell you about this book. The story inside is called Arbor Day. And here is the description of the plot. Danielle and the carrot find a miniature Abe Lincoln. Meanwhile, Blotto's gang tries to find the carrot so they can kill him. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about you, but I want to read this book. Uh, Flaming Carrot, to me, just speaks of 80s indie. You know, that, that time where people were putting out black and white comics with an X, and uh, they had very little regard for a, a coherent story. They were trying to get a point across some point that made sense to them and them alone and hang the reader if they had no idea what was going on. I think the story Arbor Day with the miniature Abe Lincoln makes perfect sense. A 9.8 of Flaming Carrot Annual Number 1 sold in March for $88. Uh, I was shocked to see that, uh, such a recent sale. And Raws, uh, two Raws have sold recently on eBay, one for $3 and one for $24. So the range is there when it comes to this book. I can't imagine there's too many of them. Uh, flopping around, but uh, I love me some flaming carrots. So I want to give some flaming carrot love for the 25 year old this week. Moving on to our underrated books of the week, Richard. Yeah, my, my underrated book this week is Nick's number four. This is the NYX. Nick's <laughs> number four, the second appearance of X23, who's a clone of Logan. Is and Neil Gaiman in this? <laughs> I've always called it Nyx. You can call it NYX if you want to. It's All right, go it's on. In, in my universe, which is superior to yours, it is Nyx. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, it's a clone of, of, of Logan, you know, Wolverine. Um, she differs from him, and she has two claws instead of three like Wolvie has. Um, 
I think there are other differences too. There are, yes, there are the differences. That's the visual. That's what they always highlight. Um, okay, I can I can think of three differences, but go on. Okay, uh, so the, her first appearance was in Nick's Three, which is an eighteen hundred dollar book in a nine point eight. Um, she's also codenamed as Wolverine, uh, which nothing confusing about that. Nothing at all. At all. Uh, she's a popular character. She's had a number of her own ongoing series, uh, which I also enjoy. Um, they're called X twenty three. She's part of what I call the Wolverine family. You know, they had the Marvel Marvel Comics family. You know, um, but now we've got Wolverine, uh, Logan, and you've got you've got um, X twenty three. And then you've got, with only one claw, this little girl who they call Honey Badger. So And Dokken, son of Wolverine. That's true. I forgot about it. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. it. Yeah. Crypto, the Wolverine dog. <laughs> Comet, the horse animation skeleton. Uh, fortunately, they didn't go that, that, that deep into it. But yeah, I, I forgot about, oh. all about the son. Um, but yeah, so so this is this is a good like I said, it's a very popular character. Um, she's been a part of the X Men. She's she's been a part of a number of books uh, over the years. She's been even when it was in uh, Logan the movie. Um, so, but I, I'm I'm thinking and this is a stretch here. I admit this is a stretch. First of all, I, I love the character. This is her second appearance. Second appearance collection is something that is is a thing now. But you know, Marvel's going to go to the X Men here soon. What if instead of using Logan, they use X-23? What if they use a female for Wolverine? Um, she's much more approachable than Logan. Logan is, Logan is very raw, at least the way he is in the comics uh, most of the time. It, it's a possibility. Uh, I, I don't know how great of a possibility it is. It depends on what forces could win in Marvel, because the traditionalists are going to pick Logan. Um, but traditionalists have not always won in in uh, these battles. So, you know, we, we don't know uh, what's going to be. But anyway, I still think it's a solid pick just because it's second appearance of X-23. 90-day um, average is about $300 for this at a 9.8. There hmm. are 438 9.8s out there. But, you know, this book you can buy raw on, on eBay for, you know, around 50 bucks. And I think it's it's a good book to buy if you see it. Uh, fr frankly, I buy all of them. There are seven books in this series. I buy all of them um, when I, whenever I see them. But I do that for uh, small run, limited series books like, for example, The Punisher uh, limited series. I always buy all of those books as well. Um, so, yeah, this, that's my pick this week. All right. Um, my pick is going back to the pre-Silver Age of Marvel and the very... Uh, seeds of what would later become the marvel universe and it is a book called strange worlds number one this has a cover date of december 1958 which makes this the earliest collaboration between stan lee jack kirby steve ditko and don heck all in one book wow these books would later be called the pre-hero monster books right uh, this was one month before Tales of Suspense number one and one month before Tales to Astonish number one, which are, and that along with Strange Tales are usually considered the Lee Kirby Ditko pre hero books. Strange Worlds number one was first. The most recent sale on GPA was in May for a CGC 5.0, and that sold for $408. A steal for this book. 
Uh, I think this book is historically as ridiculously undervalued. Uh, while there were some one-off stories by Stan and Jack and Stan and Steve in some of the mystery titles prior to this, this book right here is the culmination of all those earlier collaborations now in one title. The weird thing is this one only lasted five issues and then got canceled, whereas the other uh, mystery titles and suspense titles uh, went on for years and years and years. So why did Strange Worlds not make it? I don't know, but uh, completely undervalued. Yeah, I'm surprised you could find a, a book for that price that's, that's this important. Two years before Fantastic Four number one. Mm-hmm. All right. That is going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we remind you to please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bronze of Modern Gods. And Richard, if they like this video, what do they do? They can uh, contact us at Bronze of Modern Gods uh, on Facebook and Instagram. I just said that. <laughs> I know, but you cut you. No, if they like the video, they, they can, can they like. can thumbs up. They can like us. They can they can follow us. Um, do whatever the little social media that we happen to be on does for you. Look, people, Richard and I are both going on vacation, so yes. we're like trying to get this done. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. My mind is uh, my mind is our family trip. I'm already in London. Hey, everybody, we will catch you next time. Thanks again. Everybody.